the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko's message today is entitled Explosive Potential in Christ. Now we hope that you enjoy today's message. You may already know that due to our time constraints, we are not always able to bring you the complete message at one sitting, but you are always able to go to reachingyourheart.com and there on the main page, you'll see the broadcast schedule. This message in its entirety, as well as any of the other broadcasts you hear are available there for you to download or listen to. Yesterday, we did bring you the first portion of Explosive Potential in Christ, and we will conclude it here today. Here's Pastor Mike. Jesus doesn't ask you to fix your old life by laying it out before men and women who disdain him. Jesus offers you a new life, a transformed life, a radically different life. Find a Christian brother or sister, share with them a little bit, and then pray about it. Let Jesus forgive you. Have a new life. A whole lot more effective than the Sigmund Freud psychoanalytic theory method. And I have no apologies in saying that. I mean, some people need to look for a new profession. Uh, Paul Tournier, who was a great Swiss psychiatrist, is really the answer to Dr. Sigmund Freud. He wrote a series of books. One was called Guilt and Grace. Every Christian should read that book. He saw Jesus Christ and his forgiveness as the means for radical transformation of the psyche, exactly the opposite of Sigmund Freud. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What does it mean he's gentle and lowly in heart? It means he forgives you. It means he knows what you've done. He understands the frailties of your character, and he wants you to come to him anyway. So Jesus commands you to let the negative memories of the past go. He's not there for you in the past. He's right here in the present, in the future for you. And he also commands you to stop dwelling on past successes because he's not there either. What do I mean by that? It's possible to live so much in the past and to focus on what God has done for you that you don't let him do anything for you in the present. I mean, you can be encouraged by past victories, but they're not about God's present calling your life right now. He wants a new song in your heart. He wants a new victory for you. You may have baptized a thousand souls and built many churches to the glory of God. Maybe your ministry experience is full of this long history of successes. So what? What matters is what he's doing in your life now and what he will do. Jesus is focused on the future for you, friend. So in this too, it's important to forget the things that are behind because even good things can become a stumbling block to make you lazy in your spiritual commitments in the present so that it sabotages the upward call in Jesus for you. When Reaching Hearts International started, it was about a lot of things. Some of them were righting wrongs. Some people were standing up to various things. Well, you realize it's not what we're about now. We're 10 years into the future. 
Reaching hearts is about winning souls for Christ. It's about planting a church in an area where there is none. It's about the radio which was envisioned then. Yes, that has carried through. I look out over this congregation. Many of you here today were not there. It's about a new work that God is going to do and is doing here. That's the kind of vision I want to belong to. And so forgetting the things that lie behind, the bad and the good that are no longer relevant, and focusing on the good that is before us. Power pack principle number one to review. To move ahead, you must forget what lies behind. Let's move to power pack principle number two. Nothing is impossible for Jesus Christ in your life if you rely on His strength instead of yours. Did you hear me? Let me prove it with the Bible. Philippians 4.13. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I like that promise. What does this Bible verse mean? Does it say I can do some things through Christ who strengthens me? Does it say that? It doesn't say that. Does it say I can overcome some sins through Christ who strengthens me, but I'm going to hang on to this or that because I can't really overcome that? Does it say that? No. Does it say I can do most things through Christ who strengthens me? No, it doesn't say that either. It says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, period. Do you realize there's no room for excuses in the church? As a believer, you can't say, well, you know, I've had this rough time and I really can't serve. Well, you're not a Christian if you can't serve the Lord Jesus who died for you on the cross because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can say, pretty excuse me, I have just married or I bought a cow. All the excuses that can come up to keep you from going to the wedding feast, none of them work because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. If you have Jesus... And you're called to make a difference in the church and the world. You will succeed in that calling. The key to all of this is Christ. His strength in place of your strength. It's possible to work in your own armor and your own power to get nowhere with it. The key to all things is Christ. Realizing, of course, that faith in Jesus is not legalism. I want to be very clear about that. We're not here to impose some kind of guilt trip on someone to motivate them to live for the Lord. God doesn't want that kind of service in your life. Realizing, of course, that faith in Jesus is not legalism. Your level of commitment in the church to service is a good indicator of your faith in Jesus. If you have no place for service in the church, it's a good indicator you are not walking with Jesus. Your level of commitment and stewardship is a good indicator of your faith in Jesus Christ too. I ask the question, do you have enough faith to believe that a faithful tithe returned to God will not bankrupt your finances? Do you have enough faith to believe that sacrificial giving beyond the tithe to support the local church will not destroy your retirement plan? Or do you feel that God's answer is so small, His power is so insignificant in your life, that if you put your full energy into it, that following God will bankrupt you? Is that how you think? Jesus said, whoever takes up the plow and looks back, that person is not fit for the kingdom of God. Do you have enough faith to carve a good hunk of your personal time out of your week and to give time to God in serving the church and serving others? Or do you just believe that all that's necessary for you to do is just show up in church, put a few pennies in the plate, and feel good about being a Christian? Friend, the committed Christian is a working Christian. And let me take it a little further. 
Do you have enough faith to believe that you're little given in love and you may not have a lot? I mean, the devil likes people with little to think that if they give it, it won't matter. To believe that you're little given in love, that it won't matter? Not everyone is super gifted in the church. I know this because I'm not super gifted. I have maybe one gift or two. If it weren't for everyone else doing their part in the church, I wouldn't make it. I know that. I don't have the gift of administration. I need people in the church with the gift of administration to make sure that things happen. Many gifts I don't have. Jesus in the parable in Matthew 25 of the talents focused on the one talent man because the cause of God depends on the use of one talent. If you have only one talent and you bury that one talent in the ground, then you are the wicked servant that will not be ready for the master's return. He wants a return on the one talent that you may think doesn't matter. It matters. When I come to church in the morning here, we've been praying for eight months plus for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our church. And I see the numbers dwindling in the very place where they should be increasing. I look at prayer meeting at Reaching Hearts, and I see far too few faces there. I ask the question, you know, some of you work. That's understandable. You're gone. You can't be there. But many of you don't work. I ask the question, why miss the blessing of prayer and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit that comes in the midweek? On Wednesday prayer meetings, we get into the Bible. We dig in. We grow in God. That's the growing time of the church. And yet so many choose to opt out of that which would encourage them and strengthen them. So if you don't use your one talent for God, you may not have any talents for God before too long. You may not have God or Jesus either. So what does Power Pack Principle number two say, nothing is impossible for Jesus Christ in your life if you rely on His strength instead of your strength. It takes faith to do that. Philippians 4.13 again, I can do what? What does the text say? I can do what? Number three, power pack principle number three. Jesus Christ has set you free so you can freely experience the explosive potential of the Holy Spirit's gift in Christ to you. I meant what I just said. He sets you free. When you come to Christ, you're captive, but you don't stay that way. Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Did you read that with me? That means he set you free to make you free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. It's necessary to rejoice as a Christian. I mean, this tragic motif Christian witness business stuff is worthless. I've heard it in testimonies. Maybe you have. Well, my life as a Christian has been so hard. The Lord has brought me through so many difficult pathways. I'm hanging on because I love Him, but oh, it's just been such a difficult journey. Well, I'm not saying there aren't difficult points in the life. There are. But hallelujah, praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being in the life. It doesn't matter what life throws at you. If you have the Lord Jesus, you're rich. You have His presence, you're forgiven, you're justified. I mean, some people, when they come to Christ, they say, well, I'm afraid to give up this or that. Give it up. Jesus is worth it. It's not the will of God for you to be a captive to anything. And the proof is that God has set you free so you can live a life that makes a difference. Many people feel that they go to work and they get off of work and they go home, they sit in front of the television set, and their lives don't matter. Well, it's true. They don't. If you don't have Christ, your life doesn't matter. But friend, it doesn't matter how hard your work life is. 
If you're committed to Christ as a believer in the church, your life matters. Forget the independent spirituality business. God sets you free so you can live in the church and make a difference for him as part of the body of Christ. Turn with me to Ephesians 4, 7, and 8. The Bible says, But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Every baptized believer receives the grace of Jesus Christ according to the measure of Christ's gift. That means that no one in the church who is truly converted has been left without a gift and without a calling. Every single person has faith in Jesus and surrenders to Him as Lord, receives a gift from Jesus. Now, this isn't talking about people who haven't done that. I remember a slogan that one church had, that all are gifted and all are valued. That's only true if you're baptized into Jesus Christ, you're gifted. You're not gifted if you aren't. It's talking about people who came to the altar, they lay it down there, and they get converted because of Jesus bleeding on that cross. And when they surrender to Christ, they receive a gift at their baptism. Each believer has grace from God and a measure of the gift of Christ for service. Verse 8 indicates that this gift was a direct result of the ascension of Jesus Christ. Look at Ephesians 4.8. It says, Therefore it said, when he ascended on high, what did he do? What does the text read? He led what? A host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Friend, when Jesus went up Mount Zion at his ascension, it was Christmas for God. I mean, the death of Christ on the cross had transformed the old age. God lavished gifts on his people in Jesus. Who are the captives in Ephesians 4.8? We know that when Jesus was resurrected, there was a small company of captives in death who were resurrected after his resurrection, and they appeared to many in the holy city. Let me prove it to you. Turn to Matthew 27, verse 51. At Christ's resurrection, shortly after he was resurrected, others were resurrected. Matthew writes, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, the rocks were split, the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming up out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. This event was the foretaste of the second coming of Jesus Christ. It was all there in miniature. In the book of Revelation, Jesus will leave the temple when he returns. When God split the curtain in two, Christ had left the temple. He died outside the city gates. The earth shook when Jesus died. In Revelation 6.12 and 16.18, there will be a great earthquake when Jesus returns. When Jesus died, the rocks were split. In Revelation 6.16, the wicked will cry for the rocks to fall on them. When Jesus died, many of the saints who had died, it says their bodies were raised from the dead. There was a resurrection of a small host of humanity Sunday morning. In Daniel 12.2, it says at the end of the age, many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake in resurrection. Matthew 24.31 says that Christ will send His angels to gather His elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. At Jesus' resurrection, they came out of the tombs. When Jesus returns, the grave will give up its dead and living immortal saints will come out of the tombs. What happens when a person dies? Do they go straight to heaven before the resurrection? That theology would make Jesus' teaching and Jesus' example ridiculous. Matthew is very clear. He says, many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. 
You see, they had slept in the grave, unconscious, until resurrection morning. And after His resurrection, they were awakened and their bodies came to life. The Bible then says, they then went into the holy city and appeared to many. That's exactly what's going to happen when Jesus returns. He's going to take His resurrected people into the holy city, the new Jerusalem. He's going to show them to the universe. His trophies and His people, ransomed and resurrected by virtue of the victory of the cross of Christ. These resurrected saints were never seen again because Jesus took them to heaven that first Sunday morning, definitely at His ascension, as the first fruits from the grave. But they're not the only captives He took. Turn to Ephesians 2, 4. Context matters here. The Bible says, But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, what did He do? It says He did what? He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And then what did He do? Verse 6, He raised us up with Him, and then He made us sit with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He took us too. He didn't just take a handful of resurrected saints. Dear heart, He took you on His heart into the presence of God in resurrection glory. For every believer in Jesus who is baptized into Jesus, He is raised to a new life in Jesus. And Paul is saying that Jesus didn't leave you behind. Christ took you in His resurrected, perfected state in His heart into the presence of God. He took you as the burden of His life, the indestructible life He had received in the resurrection. He took you into the presence of God so you would be accepted. You may not know it, but that's where you went when Jesus went up. We don't belong to the earth anymore. If you are baptized and you aren't playing games with Jesus about it, you are a citizen of heaven, justified, accepted, at peace with God. So what's the outcome? Verse 7. That in the coming ages, here's why he did it, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It doesn't mean your faith saves you. Grace saves you. Faith is the hand, has no merit to it, but it's simply the action that lays hold of the grace and the goodness of God. He goes on to say, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not because of works, lest any man should boast. And then verse 10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God raised you up in Jesus so He could give you the gift of good works and make a difference in your life. He has excellence for you in your life journey in mind. And He has already determined what those good works are all about. You don't have to figure it out. You just need to obey Him and follow Him. There is explosive potential in Christ Jesus for your life. So what are these works? In the context, they are spiritual gifts that work for Him. Back to Ephesians 4.9. In saying He ascended, what does it mean but that He had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He came down to make a difference so He could lift you up. Verse 10, He who descended is He who also ascended far above all the heavens, that He might fill all things. Friend, Christ is at the right hand of God, and He also wants to be right beside you. He's in both places, physically there through the Holy Spirit here. Verse 11, And His gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, 
some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the cunning of men, by their craftiness and deceitful wiles. Power pack principle number three, the final one. Love is the engine that fuels your explosive potential in Christ. None of this matters if the Holy Spirit isn't producing love in your life. Ephesians 4.15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint with which it is supplied when each part is working properly makes bodily growth and it builds itself in love. God has given gifts in Jesus for the church to bring the church together. There are more gifts than one person can have, and there are more gifts than the ones mentioned here. There are elders, deacons, gifts of service, administration, healing, kindness, faith, and the list goes on. In fact, whenever God moves on you to serve in a way that only you can in the setting He has called you, that's a spiritual gift. And whatever is needed to build up the church, Jesus has provided that gift right here for you right now. So explosive potential is available in the church. When the Holy Spirit is present, there is unity and kindness and service for Christ. And there's not this arrogant notion that one ministry is better than another. Or somehow if you don't participate in one ministry, you're not doing the work of God. When God calls you to your work, that's what you have been called to do. Build others up in theirs. Loving Christians are active Christians. There's also obedience and service to God's plan. And what I mean by that? When God calls us to live a life of love and service, we must look to the interests of others and not our own. If you're serving the church and the way you dress or the things that you do are a stumbling block to those who are coming in or to the body at large, even if you don't agree with it, If you want to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, you need to put those things aside. Because we need unity based on the Word of God. And the conscience of another matters in this place. Especially if God's Word commands it, then your conscience should be stricken. Selfishness is incompatible with selfless service and love. You cannot realize your explosive potential in Christ if you limit what Christ can do in your life. Paul is very clear. The whole body, he says, joined and knit together by every joint with which it is supplied when each part is working properly makes bodily growth and it builds itself in love. Friend, there's no room to put someone down who is honestly trying to serve Jesus Christ. People make mistakes. They come to church. I'm one of them. I'm your preacher. And I make mistakes. Optimism. Buoyant faith encouragement, looking to the interest of others, taking your little and giving it to God to make a difference right here. Yes, it matters. These things are the language of love in the body of Christ. Let's review the three power pack principles together. I want to make sure you got them in your mind. Power pack principle number one, to move ahead, what does it say? You must what? Forget what lies behind. That means having faith that God forgives you so you can move on. Power pack principle number two, Jesus Christ has set you free so you can freely experience the explosive potential of the Holy Spirit's gifts in Christ.
And then power pack principle number three. Love is the engine that fuels your explosive potential in Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? The Bible says Christ in you, the hope of glory. Dear Heavenly Father, as we have talked today about some pretty straight things, may the person who came here today in need of encouragement know in Jesus it's there. May the person who needed gentle rebuke find the kindness of Jesus to change. And may the person, Father, that looks for a reason to live, may they know that Jesus is a good reason. The body needs their faith and commitment and that life will matter right here in the church. Bless your people. Give them freely your forgiveness. Keep them in the grace of God for service to those who know it not and those who do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today to Reaching Your Heart. That will conclude Explosive Potential in Christ. That is the name of today's broadcast, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. If you look under the broadcast schedule, you'll see this and many more messages available for you to download. If you would like, you can also stream there live on the website, reachingyourheart.com. You can also help us out with a contribution. They go a long way in helping us to continue to bring you these broadcasts here on this station. That's reachingyourheart.com, where you can send your contribution to Reaching Hearts International, 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. That's 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Keep that address in mind. That is also the address for the worship service every Saturday at 11 o'clock, and we hope to see you this Saturday. For Pastor Michael Oxentenko and everyone here, please also know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.